Do you remember the first time you said, I love you? Now, I'm not talking about the easy, I love you, when you're saying it to your kids or when you're saying it to a parent or, or something like that. I'm talking about the first time you said, I love you, to your significant other or the person you wanted to be, your significant other. Um, do you remember what you're feeling? What's the big fear? No fear? No fear? No. Oh. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. If the response, well, that's fine. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that the fear? That you get the response like, uh, oh, well, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> or, 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 or nothing or whatever, right? You know, how many, how many of us have ever had that anxiety? Now, I, now, now, personally, I cheated with Darlene. I said it in Greek first. Just, uh, you know, kind of. Unfortunately, she knew what it was. And I said, what? So, but that's, but that's the big fear, isn't it? You know, that, that, you know, what you're feeling for somebody else is reciprocated. That that's, that that's what you want out of a relationship. How many of us have, have been in relationships or, or had relationships over our lives where, I, where you wanted it to go deeper, or you wanted it to go longer, or you wanted it to be, you know, more intimate, or you wanted it to be whatever? And, and isn't it painful when, when the other person doesn't reciprocate? to the degree that you have feelings for them. It's a very difficult thing. That's when relationships get complicated, right? You know, I, I don't know how many times people have said to me, um, you know, what about your relationship with so-and-so? And they said, oh, uh, I can't get into that because it's really complicated, right? You know, relationships are not an easy thing. They're, they're extremely complicated. And I don't know how many times, you know, talk to people and, and be a parent, parent to child, child to other parent, child, children to other children, where the relationship just wasn't right. The relationship was just something wrong, you know. You wanted the relationship to be much more. You wanted it to be, you know, much deeper. But the person kind of kept the distance, and it was polite, and it was nice, and it was okay, and and all of that kind of stuff. But for some reason, it just never got to where you wanted it to be. And that's, that's the difficulty with relationships. Now, I bring that up because, you know, we've been doing this series of I am statements that Jesus makes. And we're in the last part of the I am statements. And I want, to keep, want you to keep that in the back of your mind because the very last I am statement that Jesus makes is the last one prior to going to the cross. Now, it's very, very significant that this is the last one that Jesus communicates because he's communicating something that not only applies to the disciples. There's some, there's some immediate stuff in the text that applies to the disciples right there and then. But he's teaching a principle. He's teaching an understanding. He's teaching a relational map that is vital for every believer that follows Jesus from here on in, from, from the moment that... He goes to the cross and, and births this thing called, you know, faith in Christ. And, and it is important. And this is, a, and, and this is a, another reason why this is so important, because it distinguishes between what we say all the time. Is a relationship with God a relationship, or is it just about religion? I think this is so important, what, what this passage teaches us, because there are so many people that say, I'm religious. So many people that say that 
I'm spiritual. There's so many people that say, you know, I, I have this thing with God. God and I kind of have an understanding and all that stuff. Jesus lays out extremely clearly what that should look like. And in and, 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 and the way, um, in fact, I've actually asked people, what's, what's your relational map look like when it comes to God? And if you can't answer that question, at least in the way that Jesus presents it in this passage, you've got something to think about. You've got something to talk about. So it's a really powerful passage. And as we said, this is a, a passage that comes out of Jesus having the last Passover meal with his disciples. And in the Gospel of John, we get this extended conversation that Jesus has, you know, this can we talk moment to his disciples. And this is what he talks about as the last I am statement. And I want to dive into it um, as, as we get into John 15. John 15. Um, yeah, Kayla, can you bring that uh, next screen up, please? Thanks. Thank you. Um, actually, I should say John 15. I'm sorry I did that. Um, so John 14. But Jesus says this to the disciples. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more you have already been pruned and purified, but the message I have given you. Now, he's talking to the disciples, okay? You've already been purified. The message I give to you. Uh, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Okay, next passage. Yes, Jesus repeats it. How many times has he repeated these I am statements? Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. Now, in, in, in these short verses here at the very beginning of John 15, you have Jesus present a relational map. You know, God, God the Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. There's this, this continuity, this relational map, this, this kind of Christian family tree, if you want, this Jesus family tree, if you want to put it that way. And it's a very important principle because Jesus is, is talking about a relational dynamic that many of us sometimes forget, that many of us um, ignore, that for many people around the world, it's all about a religion, it's all about a process, it's all about how you do things. Um, it's, not, you know, it's not necessarily about a relationship. And you know, for many of us, I think one of the things that is very scary is that a relationship with God, what's it look like? When you say, I love you to God, are you afraid of how God is going to reciprocate? How many of us think God is going to just, um, you know, say thank you now that you've opened yourself up to me, but now we need to deal with a bunch of stuff? Or, or you think it's all about judgment? 
See, all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, especially in the New Testament, one of the critical things that Jesus has been trying to demonstrate to the disciples, to demonstrate to the religious community of its day, is God the Father longs to have an intimate relationship with you. That it's about an intimate relationship. It's not about distance. It's not about respect. It's not just about you know, being polite to one another. It's deeper than that. It's, 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 it's farther than that. You see, if, if, if our religion is just to be respectful to God, where does that take us? Because the minute you feel you're not being respectful, what you think you're getting back from God is judgment. But Jesus is changing the dynamic that the thing that God the Father longs more than anything else is an intimate relationship with his creation. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But it's a, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. Now, if I was to ask you, what, if you're a believer here this morning, if I was to ask you, what is the one major responsibility you have as a believer? How would you answer? And you know what? It's not a test this morning. I'm not going to... We're not going to do the test thing this morning. But here's here's the point I want to make that is so clear from this passage. As a believer, you have only one responsibility, and that's to stay connected to the vine. How many times, how many times um, in that passage did you hear the word remain? Remain in me, abide in me, uh, dwell with me, be with me. It's, it's, it's an intimate word. Throughout the Gospel of John, the word abide, meno, in, in Greek, is, is, is continually being, being brought into the text to talk about the intimacy that God the Father desires with you. It's not a distant, it's not a polite relationship, it's not a respectful relationship. I know we, we talk about fearing the Lord and all that stuff, but God the Father wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. And, and, and the way that we do that is to stay connected to the vine. You see, the branches don't determine what kind of fruit. The branches don't determine the leaves, the color of the leaves, size of the leaves, all this stuff. You know, the tree uh, determines that. And as long as you're connected to the, to the tree, you produce what the tree is giving you, right? That's, that's the beautiful picture here. You know, we know that Jesus is using a, a popular met- metaphor to, you know, to get into people's minds what that looks like, all right? This whole business of, of, of gardening and, 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 you know, for those of us that do it um, on a regular basis, we, we understand the imagery and the metaphor that Jesus is putting forward. In fact, many people think that as Jesus is leaving Going, you know, to the Mount of Olives, um, that that he's passing these vineyards, these these these, and he's actually showing to the disciples, you know, this is what it means to be, you know, abiding in me and remaining in me. But it's one of the key, you know. I've asked people, made that, what's your relational map with with God look like? And I've never, you know, and, and I don't know if I've ever, you know. Memory being what it is, I don't recall anybody ever saying, "Well, my main responsibility." As a, as a follower of Jesus, is to make sure I have an intimate relationship with him and to stay connected with him. That's, that's the number one responsibility. You see, we think we can produce all this kind of stuff in our lives, but Jesus says, if you want to produce joy, uh, you know, compassion, mercy, those things that emulate God, those things that emulate Christ, 
You need to stay connected to the source that is going to allow you to grow those characteristics in your life. The minute you become disconnected, problems happen. How many, how many people do we know have gotten disconnected from the church, disconnected from Jesus, and, and life becomes what? You know? And Jesus, you know, communicates this absolutely important, uh, important principle. Now, I'm going to put a gardening thing up here, all right? Pruning. I, I got this off the internet. Anybody, anyone of you can get it? And it's just a, a straight gardening uh, definition of pruning, all right? Pruning is an essential gardening skill. When you prune correctly, you encourage healthy growth and flowering, in the case of flowering plants, as well as good looks. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew that would get up. <laughs> yeah, and you never want to say you're ugly so you've got a bad relationship with God, right? You know, you never want to say that. Okay? For most shrubs and trees, it helps to prune at the right time. Some are best pruned in winter, some right after flowering. You know, I love that. You know, look at that definition from a gardening standpoint and apply it spiritually. And apply it spiritually. You know, we've said many, many times... God is more concerned with your faith than, when the, than, than the circumstances of your life. And often he'll use the circumstances of your life to prune your life in a particular way so you produce fruit, that you produce the characteristics that God is trying to you know, produce in you. you know? if, if you're impatient, God is going to bring situations into your life where your patience is challenged. And if you allow those situations to kind of undermine your ability to learn patience, you've kind of missed, you know, you got a zero on the test. You get no stars on the page, okay? You know, that, that kind of thing. Those are the things that God brings into, into, into our lives. This is what Jesus is talking about. And that if we, if we want to, you know, as we get intimate in our relationship with God, God is going to bring things into our lives to grow us deeper, you know, to produce more for him that are going to emulate the person and the work of Jesus in really powerful ways. But we forget this connection thing. We, could, we forget this intimacy thing. We forget this, I am the vine. And, and we kind of we go on cruise control. You ever, you ever had a spiritual uh, cruise control? Is your life on spiritual cruise control? Where you, you can just go through the motions, you can just go through, you, you know, I, I read this every morning at this time, I do this, you know, I, I give this amount every month, I go to church every week, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and as fine as those things are, you know, minute you're in cruise control for too long, God's going to wake you up. God's going to say, wait a minute, I need you to kind of, you know, get on the off-ramp here because we're going to take a different road. Because it's not working. It's absolutely not working. Really, you know, really, really powerful. I just, I just thought it was so much easier to, to put that on there um, and, and apply it spiritually because it's such a, such a powerful um, definition. Now, when it comes to what we're talking about, I, I think the heart of this passage is, is this word called intimacy. Intimacy scares us. Intimacy is problematic relationally, right? And I think many of us miss the intimacy with God because on a human level, it creates, you know, it's complicated, right? And we miss out on the opportunity for this intimate relationship with God, what God the Father has always, always desired, what Jesus is talking about here uh, because we relate it in human terms. 
And, you know, and a lot of times it's easy. Can I say this? It is much easier to be religious than it is to be in an intimate relationship with Christ for many people. Because religion, you can do the right things. You can, you know, uh, walk the right route. And here's, here's the thing. Over time, over time, over time, if you think that religion is just, you know, these good things, bad things, what happens is, is guaranteed. If you stay in the religion mode for a long period of time, there's one thing for sure that I know you'll become, and that's judgmental. It's a guarantee you become judgmental. Because what ends up happening is that you start seeing things not from an intimacy, love relationship. You see things as here are the right things to do, here are the wrong things to do. And then when you point out to other people this is what they're doing, or you see other people and, and that's what they're, what they're doing, God's going to judge them. And since God's going to judge them, I need to judge them too. And over time, that's exactly what happens. That's the process that happens, right? If you don't understand this principle that Jesus is talking about here, this, this intimate connection, and it's a very scary thing for mo- most of us because the thing that we're afraid of are, are two things that I want to I bring out about intimacy. You can't have intimacy without these two things, okay? Um, the first one is transparency. You, you can't have intimacy without transparency, Right? That this, this relational thing. How many of us, how many of us open up fully to God? How many of us open up fully to Jesus and say, you know, here, here, are, the, here are the struggles. Here are the things that, that, I'm, that, that I'm working through. This, this incredible transparency. And we know that in a relationship, if you want it to go um, where you want it to go, if you, if you want it to be much more than what it is, you need that transparency. And, and when you're, when you're, when, you know, you're here at this level and, and the other person's at this level, you know you've got this gap. And you're afraid to say, you know, have you ever been with your um, significant other and you're afraid to talk about a particular topic? Because you know what it's going to do, right? Okay? And, and you, know what's, you know what's freaky about all that? We're, we're afraid of this intimacy and this transparency with God. But doesn't God know anything, everything anyway? You know, isn't, isn't that the, the irony in all of that? Is that God knows what's on your heart. God knows what's, what's, what's taking you. And, and, God, and God is waiting for you to enter into that relationship with him and talk about it and be honest with him about it. You know, don't, don't just say, hey, I'm a good Christian and I'm disappointed with God. God's going to say, wait, time out. I know you're mad at me. Tell me you're mad at me. Do you know, do you know that I can handle it? You know? How many, you know, uh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. No, you're not. You're, 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 you're failing horribly. I know you are. I know you're struggling with these things in your life. You know, the, the transparency is so, is so important. That's what God the Father is waiting for, who, who knows you better than you know yourself. And we say, you know, that, that's, you know, but isn't it, isn't it the hardest thing? Isn't it the hardest thing? For you to manufacture in another person is the degree of love they have for you. You can't manufacture that, can you? And that is what God the Father is longing most, is it's an open love relationship that is willing and transparent with him. Okay? Here's the second word that scares us when it comes. You ever, you ever heard of people that are commitment-phobic, you know? Um, there's a second one, submission. Submission. We don't like this word. Absolutely don't like this word. But you know, here, here's, here's, here's a reality. And, and the more I thought about this, and, and I've heard other people communicate this. 
But we're not talking about submission one to another. We're talking about mutual submission, which is so important. I would argue, by the way, men, women in the Bible, it's all about mutual submission. It may look differently for guys. It may look differently for women, but it's all about mutual submission. Argue that, um, you know, theologically or, or, or whatever, right? But submission. And I would argue, too, that when it comes to God and us, it is, it is a form of mutual submission. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that God took the first step in sending his son to die for you? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God willingly entered into the relationship in a submissive way to us, to his creation. You know, read Philippians 2. Read those other passages. That this is, this, you know, that God demonstrate his willingness to love us in a way that was totally, you know, submissive. And, and to sacrifice his son so that we can have a relationship with him. That is incredible. That is, that, is, that is one of the most, that is the profound truth about Christianity. That we had a God that would, that, that would chase us to that degree and sacrifice his son for, in order that we can have an intimate relationship with the Father. Submission scares us, but God took the first step. Submission scares us. But to be transparent to that degree, this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and you will bear fruit. See, how many of us have met those people that just have this relationship with God and we go, oh, wow. And, and their lives, you know, it's not like their lives are perfect. It's not like their lives, you know, they don't have situations and circumstances or, or, or painful moments in their lives. But their lives are just, they live at a level that most of us, you know, how do, how do you get there? And, and very simply, it's one thing and one thing alone. They have this intimate relationship with Christ. And that's what Jesus, I, you know, here, don't, don't you find it kind of neat that this is the last of the I am statements? Jesus is getting ready to leave the disciples. And he says, guess what? Remain in me. Even though I'm, you know, physically gone, right? Don't ever leave me. Powerful, powerful. Okay, two horrors. Um, here, this is what intimacy produces. Uh, intimacy produces uh, with Christ, reproduces the life of Christ in me. That's what intimacy produces. That the more intimate that you are in your relationship with God, the more the character and the work of Christ lives out in you. And it's, and it's an amazing... And, and you know what? I believe when, 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 when the New Testament talks about transformation, this is what they're talking about. This is the transformation that they're talking about. The Christ-likeness in people. You know, the people who come out, you know. Amazing Grace, written by a man who was a slave trader, right? Talk about a transformation. It's, you know, it's a song that we celebrate the most, but talk about a transformation. People who were one person and then met Christ and became a totally different person. That whole transformation thing, right? Um, it models us this way, but fruits of the Spirit, right? In Galatians, what are they? 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the characteristics. Those are the hallmarks of a person who has an intimate relationship with Jesus. Those things come out time and time again. You know, I, um, I, I read, um, you know, in preparing for this, I, I read a, a kind of an old um, illustration of Stuart Briscoe. It just really struck me. Stuart Briscoe, many years ago, uh, Stuart Briscoe is a, a well-known pastor who pastored Elmbrook in, in the U.S. and uh, uh, a British man, um, but for years he was a traveling evangelist. And he talks about in the middle of the night he was in Poland and uh, during the Cold War. And he talks about this one particular evening he got picked up by... Um, by one of the hosts and said, listen, I, I need you to preach tonight. And, and, and it got, you know, it's the middle of the night. What are you talking about? You know? And he says, yeah, come on. So dead of winter, drove him out into um, some remote place with this old you know, shack of a barn. And, and he went in. And there was just like one light bulb or two light bulbs or something like that. And there was a hundred young people in that room. And he said, you need, you, need to, you need to teach them. You know, they're, they're, they're believers. They, they need to hear the word of God. And, and Briscoe said, okay, I'm, I'm going to pull out John 15 and started preaching from this passage. About 10 minutes into his message, the lights went out. And his interpreter said, uh, you know, he, he was going to stop. And his interpreter said, no, no, no. You need to keep going, okay? It's okay that the lights are out, but he had no notes. He you know, couldn't read his Bible or anything like that. iPads weren't around in those days to kind of light up the room. So he just kept preaching on John 15, what it meant to abide, what it meant to you know, be connected to Christ. The lights about 20 minutes later came on, and he was shocked to see every one of those youth were on their hands and knees, lying there in front. And he was just taken aback. And the interpreters just said, keep going, keep going. So when he finished and, and kind of mourning came, he said to the interpreter, boy, that was something else, eh? And um, supposedly the, the youth stayed there for the better part of the day in that position because they had never heard this kind of teaching before. And they wanted to make sure that they were abiding in Christ. And they weren't going to leave that place until they had that assurance that their lives were remaining in him. You know, for, uh, this relational map is so important. It's, it's the distinguishing feature of whether you're a religious person or whether you're a person transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That makes a big difference nowadays. Now that's, that's the last of the I am statements. But what we do have that we want to give you today, if you want, is, um, is all the seven statements right here. We've got these cards. Every one of you can have one. And uh, it, it's, it's really quite beautiful. Thanks to the office staff, you know, Sue and Matt, for, for helping to put this together. Um, but we took all the seven statements Okay, and uh, we put them together for you for the series. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Therefore, I am fully satisfied by him. And, and it's something for you to remember and something to keep 
and, and you know, uh, just to remind you, because these seven statements are incredibly powerful because Jesus is talking about much more than just being a prophetic word about God. This is much more than that. And on the back, we put those uh, nine questions that we had, I think about four sermons ago, about how to evaluate your spiritual health. And we've made this into a nice, beautiful card. You know, we got, a, we got one of the nicest pictures of Jesus we could find. Okay? Um, because remember he said about good looks and pruning, you know? Okay? And, and it doesn't get any better than Jesus, right? Okay? Amen. Um, you know, I hope, I, I hope you've been challenged by this series. I hope you've been reminded about the power of the I am statements that Jesus makes. Because they're not insignificant. They, 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 they spoke to uh, the people of the day in, in incredibly motivating ways and transformed the culture, transformed our world because of the power of the gospel. There are many people, do, do you realize, you know, this really struck me, I read this this week too, do you realize that Jesus actually said in the gospel, there are going to be people who are going to kill you because, and they're going to think that they're doing it for God. Does that not speak to the world around us? You see, that's where religion will get you. You know, I wasn't, you know, we could have unpacked that uh, in a hundred different ways. That is the danger of religion, that even Jesus recognized that at some point you'll become judgmental and even to the point that you'll want to kill another person and you're going to think you're doing it for God. That's, that's the danger of religion. And it's a real, it's a real problem, and, and we're having that problem in the world. But this is kind of a relational map that, that changes all of that. That changes all of that. So that's the challenge, you know, as you get these cards and as you work through the statements and as you work through the questions and all of that, ask yourself the question, do I have a relationship with Jesus? And what does that look like? And do I believe that he is the great I am? Let's pray. Father. Thank you as we wrap up this series and um, just all that we've learned from it. Such incredible truths and uh, great reminder of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That he is the great I am. The I am that spoke to Moses in the burning bush and started him on a course of liberation for not just him but for the people of Israel. And eventually transforming itself to the liberation of all those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus submitting to the cross. Thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection. And as we sung earlier, those truths impact our lives for eternity as we look forward to our own resurrection. So Lord, thank you again for this series. May it be a blessing to those who have been a part of it and for those who will listen in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.